It's a fellowship on Saturday. Sorry. It takes all that to measure up to the, the awesomeness that <laughs> men are. So that's just what we're saying. Well, I, I just have to repent in front of all of you because when my wife told me those details, that's what it sounded like. Something, something, on a something, about a something. Got it. No, I didn't get it. I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, we want to talk to you just real briefly about uh, Thanksgiving coming up. Y'all enjoy Thanksgiving? I am thankful for Thanksgiving. It is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, cranberries! Let me share with you guys just some, some history and how our Thanksgiving Day uh, has or started in the very beginning, the foundation of it all. Um, a bustling church of 16 people, and half of those were kids. Uh, we were all transplants from the third world country of Louisiana. And the one thing that we loved about Louisiana, in addition to the people, is the food. So when we got together for Thanksgiving, oh man, we're going to whoop it up. So we didn't have family in town to go to and present the gospel and have that one or once or twice in a year opportunity to put on full display our family banner. So we banded together here. We were a, a collection of foreigners here in Texas. Well, over the course of time, as God added families to our church, many of you guys were also here without family. And so we wanted our church family to join us as a family. And Thanksgiving was a perfect opportunity. So we began to fry turkeys and open our homes and everything else. But it was first and foremost for those who did not have family to go see in town. And so we welcomed people to join in. I want to bring that back and to the original foundation of how Thanksgiving started at LCM. And here's what we want. Those of you who do not have family in town, join us for Thanksgiving meal. Come participate. In fact, bring something. Bring something keto. Like desserts. Just put for Matt only on it. How about that? No. Yeah, that's right. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Thank you, Lincoln. Now, please join us. We want you to be a part. If you have family in town, we want you to go and present the gospel to your family. Take this as an opportunity to display your family banner, and then when you're done, come on over and be a part. Nobody's banned from coming and joining us, but we want to make sure that we have the right priorities, and not just all collecting and missing the opportunities that God gives us. So our, our family dinner will be starting at 2 so Thanksgiving family dinner will start at 2 p.m. And it'll go on, you know, until the late, late evenings and everything else. Um, there's a sign-up sign sheet. Uh, for those of you who don't have family in town and want to join us, there's a sign-up sheet hanging up between the men's and women's bathroom on the bulletin board. Sign up, put something on there, contribute, and then we'll have a grand day of feasting on the revelation of God and the natural abundance that he gives us. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready to pray? Come on, stretch. Uh, JJ, you're standing right here. Come pray for our kids. Hallelujah. 
Mighty God, we are thankful. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for these gifts. God, for these um, these men and women, future men and women, God, that will take over the world. God, that will advance your kingdom by force, God. God, I pray that you'd help us, God, as as parents, Lord, to shape these arrows, God, to hone them in, God, to to put them on the right target, God, that we can shoot them out, God, into your kingdom. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you so much, God, for this privilege, God, to advance your kingdom, God, not just in our generation, but for generations to come, God. God, because this is a kingdom that is everlasting, God. God, it doesn't end with us. It doesn't even end with our children, but Lord, it lasts forever. And God, we thank you, God, for this opportunity. God, bless these children. Bless their teachers, God, as they impress your word and help us as parents impress your word on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Holy Ghost. You know, at LCM we have uh, such spirit-filled services that even our coffee gets slain in the spirit. It's been a while since I've seen two spills during worship. Are you guys excited this morning? Yeah. I mean, are you really excited? Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to be mild and laid back. And I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to share with you three points in a poem. Maybe a funny picture. I'll just do stand-up comedy. How about that? No, indeed. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Sound booth, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> that pales in comparison, but amen. Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, November 8th, 2020. You know, we're living in a time of uncertainty and opposition. There's the uncertainty of what our everyday life will look like for the next four years. There is. The opposition between contending powers over battlegrounds is rattling the realms on our left and on our right. Though it may not be clear what the outcome of this battle may be, it is clear who the winner will be. Oh, you thought I was talking about the election. No, 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 no. I'm, in fact, talking about the elect. The winner is you, saints. I'm talking about the elect of God's kingdom. These spiritual warriors of God who wield the word of God in one hand and the fire of God in the other. You, LCM are the men and women who have been trained to endure and overcome multiple terrains in various battlefield conditions. You are a church that is called to engage the power struggle in the heavenly realms. I aim this morning to remind you that you are called to participate in heavenly warfare because it is through you that God wants to make known to the heavenly realms his manifold wisdom and power. But we have to start with some precepts that lay out the foundation of how we engage these heavenly powers. You see, when you're facing opposition and overwhelming odds, 
you must be confident that you are called to confront the gates of hell together. Everybody say together. We confront the gates of hell together and then we win. I want to win. We want to win. Because it is together that we accomplish it. We start with a confident position knowing that our king is with us. The lampstand of God is in this house. His spirit is constantly reinforcing our position with his word, which enables us to have the power to win. So turn with me to Acts 23, verse 10, and say there when you are there. It looks like some good coffee, Nick. Good coffee. Amen. Yes. We're going to win with coffee. Amen. Acts 23, 10. The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Acts 23.11 comes from Wednesday night's message that Pastor Wade and Nick preached. And we learn from them that this Greek word for take courage has an overall sense, a singular sense, to just be confident. So the Lord was speaking to me the word confident about a week and a half ago before the guys put this message together. Begin to stir in my heart and my soul that this is an aim that he wants for me and for everyone in this house. So I'm going to lay this out and display it for you. I noticed that in verse 10, ahead of the passage, a scripture that the guy shared on Wednesday, something that caught my eye that relates to how God builds your confidence. The background is this. Paul is standing trial at the Sanhedrin, and a dispute breaks out among the Pharisees and the Sadducees because Paul just laid a little, you know, hand grenade of a subject called re- resurrection. Caused the disruption between them. They got so violent. Now the commander and the troops are all worried that they're, go- they're going to tear Paul to pieces over this matter. So you had this religious infighting that was overflowing to take out the righteous of the kingdom. What seems to be a moment for Paul in this matter, that he is being surrounded by opposition. In fact, surrounded by 70 men who are in opposition. Remember that number, 70 men. This is actually... A surrounding of opposition is providing an opportunity. Oh, man, you got got enemies in front of you, enemies behind you, enemies to your left and to your right. Now it is a surety, a certainty that you cannot miss. We're in a target-rich environment. And this is an opportunity for Paul to stay on mission. That's what the guy shared on Wednesday. But in order for Paul to stay on mission, he needed reinforcements. Say reinforcements. See, the Lord at this moment, in verse 10, he is sending reinforcements to Paul through the commander. The commander has that situational awareness. He knows what he's in charge of and what he needs to protect. And he sees an escalation of violence among this 70 of the Sanhedrin. Well, what then comes to be 
is that commander orders his troops to go and take Paul away by force so that they could bring him to a fortified position, the barracks. That's what barracks are. They're a place of encampment on a base where that army has a stronghold that the enemy cannot enter into the gates and cause obstruction, damage, or death in the barracks. This is a hidden place. This is a secret place. A place where Paul would be protected, and he there would receive reinforcement. Did Jesus speak to him, take courage, while they were trying to tear him to pieces? No. Wouldn't you say that's probably the greatest moment that he would need to hear that? But God didn't speak that. Maybe while they were whisking him away, the troops come and took him by force. That probably looked pretty cool, too. Roman soldiers elbowing, punching people in the face. Whisking him away by force, maybe in that traversing from the Sanhedrin to the barracks. Nope, that's not when Jesus spoke to him. It was that night that the Lord stood near to him. In this hidden, in this secret place, the Lord began to reveal a a revelation of reinforcement. Well, by receiving that reinforcement, by receiving that revelation, in this secret place, he is able, Paul is able to clearly hear and understand with a greater level of clarity what his mission has always been. There's not a new mission that's being declared here. It's a restatement and refinement of what he already was spoken to on the road to Damascus. See, that night that the Lord stood near Paul, the Lord has broken through the battle lines and he is standing near him to reinforce Paul's position. He speaks to him, take courage, be confident. I know you've been fighting, but I am going to send reinforcements. You seem to be surrounded, but that's not going to be where it's going to end. You shall take courage and be confident. You know, every war throughout history, it includes a moment. A moment of desperation that required reinforcements. Reinforcements to to arrive just to make sure everybody stays alive. And then we find out later that it goes on to actually win the entire battle. Moments when all hope is lost, the enemy has surrounded you, and it's inevitable that you and all of your men and even the mission is done. There are battles like Bastogne. There are moments in all forms of war in history where this is true. But there's a moment in World War I. It's, it's a legend, maybe found in the urban areas of legends. But the, the phrase goes like this, that during the, the intense trench warfare between the Allies and the Axis, on the British side, there's a message that goes out from the front line. And it says, send reinforcements. We're going to advance. Oh, not send reinforcements. We're going to die. Send reinforcements. We're going to advance. Oh, you know what I hear? The Lord speaking to us from his counsel. He's calling us to send reinforcements because we are going to advance. But there's a problem. 
This is being communicated over radio. And as everybody knows, that communication, when traveling, gets broken up. It gets misunderstood. So what this turned into, by the time it reached the generals, it turned into a phrase that says, send three and four pence, we're going to a dance. This is some, you know, enigma machine generation of a code. So it's supposed to be sin reinforcements we're going to advance. It turns into sin three or four pence, a couple of dollars, and we're going to a dance. Hmm. See, there's nothing wrong with the original message. There's nothing wrong with the original revelation. We just need further clarity to be reminded of what it actually said. This morning, the Lord is sending his reinforcements to us right now by his spirit and by his word. It brings us to the title of today's message. Send reinforcements. I really like that picture. It's really cool. It's manly. So everybody turn to Numbers 11 and say send reinforcements when you get there. We're going to advance. Numbers 11, starting in verse 11. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Wah, wah, wah. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry these people all, carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, mighty king, and do not let me face my own ruin. This is Moses speaking. Right? Numbers 11. We're about two years and three to four months into leaving Egypt. And this is the second time that the people are calling for quail. Their hearts are just growing harder. They're grumbling against God. They're grumbling against Moses. And he comes to a point of exasperation and despair. In fact, he's surrounded by it. One guy leading 600,000 men. Three million people, women and children, therefore added to it. Think about the times that you've watched a couple of kids for a couple of hours. Think I can hear it now in children's church. Send reinforcements. (laughs) But you become overwhelmed by the constant need for direction and dealing with sin. And handling it all on your own is inevitably going to lead to despair and discouragement. But I want to walk through some of the main things that Moses is saying because it's the same things that we say. So the despair overall is a declaration saying, I can't fix this. No matter how hard I try, this problem is not getting resolved. I'm not winning the battle. Moses says, why have you brought 
this trouble on your servant. You know what the, the real hard expression from us is that reflects that? This is unfair, and I'm not built for this, God. Why is all this trouble on my shoulders that you've brought? He goes on to say, did I conceive? That's like us saying, I didn't birth this vision, you did. This isn't mine, this is yours, and I'm just being overwhelmed by it. That statement of, they're crying, give us meat to eat. This is us saying, I don't have enough to provide what they're crying out for. I can't fix their hunger issues. He goes on to say, I cannot carry these people. Overall, I can't do it. You're asking too much of me. Don't you know what my limitations are? But this is the real issue, though. See, all the previous ones were just red herrings. The trouble on your servant. Did I conceive? Give us meat to eat. Now he's starting to get down to the real foundation of what's going on inside of him. The source of his despair. I can't do what you've asked me to do, God. So what do I do? Well, verse 15, which comes right after I cannot carry these people, it echoes verse 14 in that just kill me. I've come to the logical conclusion that I cannot do what you've asked me to do, so I just need to die and end it all now, and that's if I find favor in your eyes. I'm using some religious speech to justify my despair, and I just need to be ended right now. See, Moses is surrounded, though, by the real issue in his heart. It's not the people. It's what's going on inside of the depths of his soul. And it's seen in this. It's at the very end of verse 15 when he says, Do not let me face my own ruin. You know how we say that? I cannot face the ruin of my own reputation. I don't want to deal with being publicly a failure. See, anyone who has attempted to do great exploits for God has faced this very same thing. You've been confronted with your own weaknesses and inadequacies, and now you're a point of despair, and you're crying out to God. And it starts with blaming everybody else and everything else, including the Lord, but finally what comes out of the depths of your heart is the real issue. I don't want to be a failure in front of everybody. This idea, going back to what we read, This idea that says, you know what, Lord, I'm not built for this. You know what the Lord's reply is to me and is for you? Yes, you are. You are built for this. I made you, and I'm sending you reinforcements. You cannot accomplish this by yourself. That idea that says, I didn't birth this vision, you did. The Lord's reply is, I birthed it from you. You were born to do this. I created you for this very purpose. This is why you exist on earth. And I'm sending you reinforcements to accomplish it. This idea that we say, I don't have enough to do what you called me to do, God. His reply is, I know that. That's why I'm sending you reinforcements. This overall attitude of, I can't do this. His reply is, yes, you can, because I'm sending reinforcements to you. It's not about you. It's not about your provision. It's not about your strength. It's about his divine capability inside of you. In a military understanding, how does the commanding officer for Moses respond to this dribblery? 
this self-loathing and deep despair. Lord, I just can't do it. I'm going to give up. I'm going to die. Does the Lord look at him and say, you poor little man of God. I'm so sorry this is too hard for you. I apologize. Here's a lollipop and a lounge chair for your troubles. Is that God's response? No. Let's look at verse 16 and see what his response is. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share in the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. None of what God said addressed directly anything that Moses said prior. This is exactly what my prayer life looks like. But Lord, what about this? And I'm not... Yeah, do this. And this is what I'm sending you. But you didn't answer? Oh, you did. Okay, I got it. See, in the same manner that the Lord sent Paul reinforcements through the commander, through the troops, and then through the direct word of take courage, God is sending Moses reinforcements. Seventy elders who are known, who stand next to you, just like the Lord stood next to Paul. Oh, we got three elders. May not have 70, but they have the potency of 70. They have the divine power of 70. The Lord is sending them a representation of his reinforcing power. And that through that 70, he's reinforcing Moses' position. He says, I will come down and speak with you there. What is the Lord saying to Moses? Take courage. Be confident. I'm giving you. I'm sending you reinforcements. And reinforcements from heaven look like this. I will take some of the power of the spirit that's on you and I will put it on them. I will equally equip them to carry the burden just like I equipped you to carry the burden. You were reinforced by the spirit-filled and experienced men of God that the Lord puts around you and that you are to join, and they join you. This is why we have elders. This is why we have disciple-makers in our life, because God is reinforcing our position so that we can stay on mission and complete the call. These experienced, spirit-filled men and women of God, they are reinforced with the power from heaven that may have only been working through you at the moment, but is now working through them to reinforce you. How many times has one of our elders spoken life into you and your situation, though they've never actually lived through it? Hundreds of times. Your mind may be drawn to make a distinction through details and say, well, elder this and elder that, you haven't experienced exactly like I have in this situation and that situation. Yes, but they stand in a position from God with the Spirit of God on them to reinforce your position. That's why we stand where we stand. This was a secret, though. It was a secret to Moses. It was hidden from Moses. But it's now made plain to Moses as providing a sending of reinforcements for the mission. 
Let's all turn to Ephesians 3. We're going to look at verse 8. Say, send reinforcements when you're there. There we go. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. See, Paul is writing and penning this letter in order to send it to the church of Ephesus and send them reinforcements of revelation. Reinforcements of revelation that have strengthened his resolve to stay and complete the one mission God has given him and therefore will strengthen their resolve to complete the mission that God's given them. Paul is battling with the same internal enemies that Moses was. However, he is overcoming them through reinforcements of revelation that the Lord is giving him. It's being restated. It's being refined. And therefore, he's being reinforced. Paul is fulfilling his original mission that was given to him on the road to Damascus. You read throughout his letters, you look at the chronology of those letters, and you see the same revelation. It's not a new one. It's a restating and a refining of what was originally stated. Let's look at verse 9. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. A reinforcement of revelation always makes the mysteries of God plain to everyone. And it reinforces your ability to administer it. Haven't you experienced getting something, getting revelation out of the word, and what was hidden, what was secret, was a mystery unknown to anyone else in this church, has now come to the surface. And after many hours of study, it is now plain to you. And everywhere else you look in the word, you see that revelation. God didn't give that to you just for you. He gave it to you and made it plain so you could administer that revelation to everyone else. God reinforced you with revelation. Now it's your turn to reinforce others with that same revelation. What is so plain to us now, 2,000 years after the reinforcement of revelation was sent to Paul, it was something in the past that was hidden by God. So the mystery that he's speaking about is the Gentiles being included into the promises and function of the nation of Israel. That was hidden in God for a long ages past. After 2,000 years of him stating that in this, this book, this letter, it's plain to us, right? We're living in it. We walk in it. But it wasn't plain during that time. It was hidden in God. And it's waiting for the proper time to be revealed. What do we call a revelation that is hidden? The Hebrew word. Sud. Right? That's how they say it. Sud. A sod. We learn this as a common speech in our church. Paul's mission was to take that sowed and make it pashat. When you receive a sowed, it is your responsibility now to make it pashat, make it plain for you and for everyone else that you're going to reinforce. Let's put up the slide that shows Ephesians 3, 9 in the complete Jewish Bible. And of letting everyone see this secret plan is going to work out. This plan kept hidden for ages by God, the creator of everything. Oh, this is putting his finger exactly on it. That this mystery is a secret plan that God is going to reveal. It is going to work out. 
Whenever you are surrounded by despair, that is meant to choke out the hope that things are going to work out. But God reinforces you with revelation so that you know that this secret can become plain. And the revelation is that it's all going to work out. God's going to accomplish what he desires in you as you remain faithful. Let's go to verse 10. His intent was that now, say now. Now, now, through the church, through the kahal, through the assembly, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What's being stated here is not a new revelation. It's a restating of an original revelation. What God's intent has been all along is that through the kahal, through the assembly of the righteous, that the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms would be confronted with the manifold wisdom of God. We're made to go to war in the heavenly realms. Verse 11 continues with this thought, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through Jesus... It began the way in which the one mission gets accomplished. Now it's our responsibility to follow right in line with what he accomplished. When he's stating that his intent was that now through the church, Paul is declaring and penning that he has received his reinforcements to complete the mission and is now giving you, giving me the reinforcements of our mission. We, you, are designed by God to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You are to find the confidence to confront what opposes God. In order to do that, we have to open our eyes, church. Open our eyes to the reinforcement of revelation that the Lord has been speaking to his church since the beginning. Since the creation of Adam and the first couple, Adam and Eve. Subdue and multiply. He is stating to us this morning, you are my weapon of war that makes who I am known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Follow me into battle, and I will send reinforcements to you when you need it. The Lord is reminding us that He has chosen us to represent Him to His enemies. You are His representative of His choice to stand toe-to-toe with His enemies. The church of the living God is designed to be surrounded by opposition. Surrounded by inevitable defeat because it will be God who receives the glory when he sends his reinforcements to win. When he sends his reinforcements to defeat those celestial powers that oppose him, he will win. But here's the greater understanding. He wants to win through you. Every single person in this room, God's plan is that he wins through you. But we need reinforcements to carry it out. Let's look at verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So when Paul is penning this letter, is there any break in thought or subject between verse 11 and verse 12 of what we just read? No. 
So we have this understanding of verse 11 of what his intent is that we just so thoroughly talked about. And verse 12 continues exactly what that one mission is. That you, in him, and your faith in him, you have the ability to approach God with freedom and confidence. You have a hotline to the commander-in-chief. You have access to the throne of God. When you don't know what to do, when you're surrounded, you access that throne that says, give me or send reinforcements. And he replies, they're on their way. Our confidence to be the church he has called us to be is reinforced by our unity and trust-grounded obedience. The freedom and confidence that comes from our unity and trust-grounded obedience. We need to have an attitude that says, Lord, I can't make a move without you. I need your direction. I'm calling out to you send reinforcements. We're going to advance. It is when we are in that moment of desperation and dependency that he gives us this access to his secret plan, his secret counsel. There we are standing before him at his throne and we're speaking with him face to face just as Moses did. Well, how many times in this very room have we gone through worship? We've heard the word. And at the end, our heart is being made right with God. We see clearly what we need to repent of, but it's with the purpose of being restored so that we can be reinforced in our position and, and call. That you're standing there at the throne of God and he just whispers a reinforcement. And it sustains you for years. Man, I'm still being reinforced by what he spoke to me on the day that I was born again. And there's more that he has added, but it's always kept in line with the original revelation of who he said I was. God's desire and Paul's desire for the church in Ephesus and our desire for you is that you have the confidence or you have the ability to approach God with freedom and confidence. But there are some oppositions, some enemies that oppose that freedom and confidence inside of you. Fear. It's a huge one. Insecurity. Right up there with it. And here's what fear and insecurity will do every single time inside of you. It'll cause you to seek a new revelation. I just, I know the Lord said that and, you know, the worship service a week ago or the word that somebody shared with me uh, three months ago. I just, I don't understand it. Lord, I just need something new. Hmm. It's almost like we heard sin three and four pence were going to a dance. It wasn't the original revelation that was wrong. It's what degraded inside of us afterwards. Our desire for something different is directly opposed to just being diligent with what he's already given you. It's too hard. It's too much trouble. I didn't expect it to be this difficult. I want something easier. I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to me. I want to open up the vaults of my own heart and mind. And that's a dangerous thing. Be like Pandora's box. 
But I want you to see what goes on inside of me. And I know you're going to see yourself. Yesterday, I was going through and deleting some old notes and reviewing some things I had on OneNote in my phone. And I began to notice, notice a pattern, right? That as I look through these notes, I'm looking at the date and I'm looking at the content. And when I see each one, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that was a great word. That was a great revelation. That was a great correction and rebuke. But there's a certain distance of time between these. They're nearly identical. You know, it's, I noticed the pattern of every 12 to 18 months, the Lord speaks to me the same thing through different people each time. Hmm. I thought it was a new revelation each time. But something's broken in me, not in the deliverer of the reinforcement. And here's the pattern that, that I go through. I get the word. It's earth-shaking, speaking right to what I need to do and change and hear and be reinforced by. And I immediately begin to implement it right after I receive it. Yep, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to change this. I'm going to get shalom here. But there's a one- to three-month time period of implementation. And looking back, I realize I'd only made marginal effort to put it into practice. Yep, oh, yep, I'm putting that word, yep, I'm doing this. And after one to three months and experiencing some success of implementing that word, I begin to relax my pursuit to put it fully into practice. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it worked, so I don't have to do it anymore. Well, it's around the 12-month mark that I begin to get discouraged. Despair starts to surround me begins to come out of my heart and my mouth. You know, I need a word from the Lord because I need some clarity for my purpose and my call. I just It's, it's not, as, not as revelatory as it once was. You know, just the Lord's not speaking to me. I tell Cassidy, you know, man, what am I doing wrong? What have you done wrong? <laughs> Probably more the second one than the first one. Being in the grovel before God. Oh, Lord, have mercy on my stupid little head. I just can't hear your voice anymore. It's about that time, 12 to 18 months, somebody comes up and hands me a 3 by 5 index card. One of my brothers shares with me a word they got from the heavens. And I think it's a new revelation as they're sharing it. Oh, yeah, 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 this is that word. This is giving me clarity. Woo, woo. And all of a sudden I realize about halfway through it, no, this is the exact same word. It's just being delivered through a different servant. Just like Moses, I'm complaining before God. I'm throwing out red herrings and eventually land on the real issue. The Lord's just gracious to give me the solution. He doesn't sympathize with my whining. He doesn't smash everything that comes out of my mouth. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. This is what you need. I'm going to reinforce you. When I realize that he's just restating the same reinforcement every 12 to 18 months, I realize I'm just not getting it. I'm just not putting into practice fully or for long enough. There comes a point when we just have to open up our eyes and realize he has been sending you reinforcement. 
He has given you the revelation that defines who you are and what you need to do. You just need to maintain getting clarity about what exactly it is. Revelation from God builds on revelation from God. It is not a new foundation. It does not deviate. We have in our very Bibles a misnomer of titles of two sections of it. Old Testament and New Testament. It's original gospel and then the restated original gospel in a clearer, more refined fashion. I began to think about Abraham's life. He's the father of our faith. And that what was spoken to him in Genesis 12 was a promise. And he was credited righteousness because of his faith. But it didn't stop there. That was the original revelation that God gave him. Genesis 15. It says after all this. You know what happened between 12 and 15? A whole bunch of junk. A whole bunch of opposition and trials. In chapter 15, it says after this, the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision. Devar Yahweh. Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. What does God speak to him? He speaks to him a restating and refined version of what he originally spoke to him in chapter 12. He helps him get reinforced about his call, his purpose, and his mission. But it doesn't stop in 15. It goes on in 17, restated and refined again. In 18, circumcision, restated and refined again, never deviation. And coming to a culmination in chapter 22, when he is sacrificing Isaac, he is now at a point of having to fully act on the restated and refined original revelation that he received. There's going to come a day when you have to act on it fully. You will be held accountable to the revelation that you received. And realize that God has been sending the reinforcement of revelation all this time to strengthen you for that moment. And the hope is, just like Abram, you can be strengthened for that moment. You can raise the knife. You can sacrifice even what was promised to you and know that God will raise it from the dead. You will have the revelation and the reinforcement that says, Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will provide. I just lived it. But that revelation didn't come to him just in that moment. It had been building ever since chapter 12. He was standing on the reinforcement of revelation that God's been giving him the whole time. This morning in worship, we had two confirming words of surrender everything. Families, houses, attachments. Because the Lord is asking for them. You need to hear the call to cry out to the Lord and say, send reinforcements. I'm being surrounded by my cares and worries of the world. I'm being surrounded by these attachments. I know they're not from you. They may be even given to me by you, but you're asking for them now. And I'm having a hard time letting go. I'm having a hard time surrendering them to you. Lord, send your reinforcement. Restate and refine the revelation that you've already given me. Because he wants you to be free from entanglements, free from attachments and expectations, so that he is the only God that you serve, not just the promises that he's made to you. It's a desperation that says, Lord God, you have what I need. 
You can see what I cannot see. You understand and know what I do not. You are the source of my secret counsel. You're the possessor of the secret plan. That secret counsel is found at his throne. The throne of God is where we find that understanding. It always has been and it always will be his throne as a source of that secret counsel. Turn to Revelation 5 and let's start in verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne with a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The secret of God's plan for all of mankind, the history of man, is sealed up at this moment, but is now able to be revealed through the Lamb of God who is seated at the center of the throne of God. Christ's accomplishments, His death, His resurrection, has opened up for us a means by which we can understand the mystery that has been kept hidden throughout the ages. That through Jesus, the sowed of God's redemptive plan is now made pashat. And it is our mission to reinforce others with the revelation of who He is and what He has opened up. This morning, I want to give you the reinforcement that we have been given access through Jesus to the same throne mentioned here in Revelation 5. It is here that the secrets of God are revealed to us for the purpose of being strengthened. For the purpose of being reinforced with revelation. That's why we have access past that veil that has been torn. Exercise your right to get there. I want to show you something in Proverbs 3.32. We'll read it on the screen here. I want everybody's eyes up. For the Lord detests... The perverse. When I hear the word detest, I think of my wife's encounter with cockroaches. It's not that she will just walk around one by the distance of a city block. It's that if one comes near her, there is this reaction to something that is detestable. There is a swatting and pushing away, standing on chairs, running to the other corner of the house. That God detests the perverse. He shuns them. He swats them away. He bars them from entrance to His throne and His secret council. But when you're right with God, you're upright with God. Let's see what the promise is. But takes the upright into His confidence. This is the hope that we have. We're walking in the light on level ground, in holiness and righteousness, we have full, unlimited access to the confidence of God. We have the ability to take courage. But I want to reveal something to you that we found in the definition and lemma. Let's pull up the slide. 
This word confidence is the Hebrew word sowed. Meaning a confidential discussion, secret, scheme, circle of confidants. Come on, you need to realize the level of rich, divine access that you have to God. The blood of Jesus has made a way for you to be included in the circle of confidants. To stand there in the midst of his throne that is encircled by the elders, that is encircled by the creatures, that the multitudes that have been slain for the gospel are underneath his throne. You have access to stand there, saints. Don't be denied that right and that access. The blood of Jesus fought and bought this for you. It is your opportunity to be reinforced with revelation here in his sowed. Here in his confidence. To participate in his counsel, his close friendship, the gathering, the secret plot or secret information. God has called you to be a contributor. Not an observer. NATO is an observer. And they don't do a thing. Warriors are contributors. You are called to be a warrior. You're called to be a contributor to the kingdom of God. But that will require for you to be a recipient of reinforcements of revelation. Let me read this to you. Psalm 25, 14. You can put it in your notes. The Lord confides. The Lord sows in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His sowed to His servants, the prophets. What does God have access for you? It's confidence. Sowed level confidence. Confidence says, I heard from God. I'll be reinforced with revelation. It's not a new revelation. It's a restating and a refining of what he already said. I have what I need from heaven. Now it's time to advance. Go to Mark 4, pick up in verse 11. Say, send reinforcements when you get there. He told them, the secret, the sowed of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Hmm. When I ask you the question this morning, what reinforcements or revelation has God sent to you so far? And what are you doing with them? What has he already spoken to strengthen you? And what are you doing with them? This morning I want you to ask the Spirit of God to bring back to your remembrance the reinforcements of revelation that he's already given you. So you can be strengthened to carry them out and complete the mission. You've been entrusted, saints, with these revelations in order to be reinforced by them and to reinforce others with them. 
1 Corinthians 4.1 says this, This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. As leaders, we stand in a place of confidence. Meaning that we stand in a place where God has revealed his sowed to us. He has given us access and we take full opportunity to stand in his circle of confidence. To possess plainly the secrets of his kingdom. So that we can strengthen you. I hear in this the reason why God told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. Hey guys, wait in Jerusalem until you have received power, until you have received reinforcements from on high. I'm sending him. I'm sending the counselor. It's here for you. Just wait for him. When he arrives, then go to war. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to complete this. So stand to our feet. I want you to know it's not going to be a new revelation that we're going to seek for. Instead, we're going to seek after the Lord for a reinforcement of the revelation. So now is the time to ask. Lord, send reinforcements. So I'm going to start by demonstrating it. I'm going to say, Pastor Wade, come join me. Lord has sent me reinforcements. He sent me my brother. So he's going to walk you through what you need to do. Joy, would you put back up on the screen Ephesians 3 and verse 12? This is a timely word from Pastor Matt for us today. We're not going to a dance. We don't need three or four pence because we're going to a dance. We need for the Lord to send reinforcements because we're going to advance. Amen. Pastor began today by talking about a secret revelation. A revelation of reinforcement that we need. We have to let go right now of our desire for something different. I hope that pierced you as much as it pierced me today. You are supposed to get fresh bread, but you're going to have the same revelation that the Lord keeps building upon. <laughs> fresh bread doesn't mean a new revelation. Your fresh bread is supposed to is designed to get you to understand the revelation that he's already given you. Pastor said something to this effect. Desire for something different instead of just asking for reinforcements that we might have diligence in the difficult. When you're always looking for something new, it causes you to not actually appreciate what you have. Church, are you, are you battling with despair today? Are you battling with discouragement? Are you battling with defeat? It's because you're holding on to the wrong thing.
You need a revelation of the reinforcement that God wants to send to you. Because your reinforcement is in the revelation that he's given you. Look at verse 12 in Ephesians 3. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Those statements that you're making that are just like Numbers 11 have to be driven from our hearts today. I'm the wrong guy. I don't have the right preparation. I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the right provision. Shut up. You need to understand and you need to instead cause your heart to turn heavenward and say, Lord, send me reinforcements. And I imagine and I know that the reinforcements that you're going to send me this time are the same type of reinforcements that you sent me before. I just want to grab hold of it and I want to fully execute it today. I want to be able to approach you, God, with freedom. How much freedom is it when you know that you're actually walking in the revelation that God has reinforced you with? You're as light as a feather. You have freedom. You're not worried about if, if this step. You're, you're running. You're able to then run with purpose. Freedom and confidence. Why? Because you know that his reinforcements have taken you into a circle of confidants. Look, we're going to open up these altars. My brother and I are going to stand shoulder to shoulder. And we're going to begin to pray for you. But think about the entirety of the word today, church. From the worship service that said of what we need to let go of. To a word that's saying you can't hold on to the wrong perspective because God is going to send you reinforcements. And let's be honest, he already has. He's doing it today and he'll do it again and he'll do it again because you have to advance. As soon as I begin to pray, respond to the Lord. Mighty God, send your Holy Spirit now to us. Lord, send the reinforcements of your revelation. Lord, that you might move on your people, that we might not hold on. That we might not hold on, Lord, to our own ways of thinking. Lord, we need your reinforcements and we need your revelation today. Mighty one, move on the hearts of your people. Move in this place, Lord, because we need to advance. We need your reinforcements because we're going to advance. Lord, you are telling us, you are speaking to us about victory. Lord, and we're saying we hear your words. Lord, and send us the reinforcements, Lord, that we might advance. Let us have the revelation. Take us into that secret place, Lord, where you can reveal to us in the circle of confidence what you have for us, Lord, because you've done it in the past, Lord, and we just need the extra help yet again. Lord, empower your people today to let everything else fall by the wayside except your divine revelation and the Holy Spirit power to carry it out. In Jesus' name.
Jesus you are. With my 